to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. We're so excited that you can be with us. We're going to be talking about what God is doing in the marketplace. And now, our host, Patrice Seguet. Welcome to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. I'm Patrice Seguet, your host. And I'm here today at the CFD headquarters. CFD stands for Creative Financial Design, headquarters in Kokomo, Indiana. And I'm here with Brent Owens, the uh, CEO of the company. Brent, how are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Some of you guys may know, if you don't know Brent personally, you know the name Owen from Mick Owen. Mick Owens is, uh, is one of the biblical entrepreneurship teachers and just has been a champion for Nehemiah and is very known in, in our circles. Spoken for us, we recently published a book, a book titled The Diamond of Life, uh, authored by Mick Owens. And this is his son, uh, Brent Owens. And by the way, uh, Brent, I've twisted Brent's hand to arm to speak for us next year, 2018 at Nehemiah Week. So uh, Brent and I are going to be talking about what it means to be a second generation leader of a kingdom company. Brent is second generation leader of this particular company. And Brent took over the company at, how old were you, Brent? I was 28 years 28 old. 28 years old. 1998. 1998. And Brent has taken the company from where it was to where it is now. And so we're going to just talk about what that was like for Brent. And we're going to hopefully uh, glean from Brent's experience in terms of what does it mean to lead a kingdom company, particularly taking over to your father. So Brent, let's, first of all, what is CFD? For our listeners who may not know what CFD is. So actually the building you're in is Creative Financial Center. It's the home of the CFD companies and we do have eight CFD companies here in the home office with the two flagship companies being CFD Investments, which is a registered broker dealer. We're regulated by FINRA and then Creative Financial Designs where the, the CFD comes from. But Creative Financial Designs is our registered investment advisory firm and we're regulated by the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission. Um, we serve about 200 financial advisors nationwide. Uh, we ha- we're in all 50 states, um, coast to coast, about 18 to 20 advisors in California and about 15 to 20 advisors in the Northeast. Our big footprint is in the Midwest, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, and Kentucky. Um, we want our advisors, obviously, to serve their clients in a financial planning capacity. And so we do fee-based financial planning and fee-based money management through the RIA. And then through the broker-dealer, we have commissionable products like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, variable annuities, life insurance, uh, uh, tools like that to basically help people achieve uh, what their goals and objectives are to make those become a living reality. So, Brent, for the layperson out there who's listening, say, what is all that? So at the end of the day, um, you have these really entrepreneurs, sole proprietors, mm-hmm. or in some cases, they have their own corporations mm-hmm. around the United States of America in right. about how many states? Uh, again, we're registered in all 50, states, all 50 states, but we don't have a physical presence in all 50 states. We all probably right. have a physical presence in about 25 of the 20, states. And, so, and you have 200 of those around 200 the 200 financial advisors. And among Christian broker-dealers, you're what? Probably what? Top? Then top five. Well, again, I don't know if there's a ranking for Christian broker dealers, yeah. but I would say CFD Investments and GA Repl are two of the best known Christian broker dealers out there in the country. In the country, and I, I would say that us and Repl are probably at the top of the list. Wow. 
And, and so these advisors, they're kind of carry your name in that particular They're community. independent contractors. Yes. We don't necessarily want them to brand themselves after CFD Investments or okay. Creative Financial Designs. They're able to. Um, but but we, then they carry a different name in their community. Right, absolutely. And then they serve families and individuals and businesses who want to know how to manage money, right. invest their money, right. advise them, and so forth. Yeah, I would say Retirement that... Retirement planning, insurance... You, you, yeah, across the whole gamut. Any financial service fin product. Financial planning, we want to be the hub for financial planning and cover all aspects of a client's financial life. And again, that's why we have eight companies. So not only do we have the broker dealer and the RIA here, but we have a property casualty agency for uh, home and auto insurance. We have CFD accounting services that does over 3,000 tax returns. We have Alter and Rocky uh, law firm, which does estate planning. They do the wills, they do the trusts. So any kind of financial decision that a client would come to through a financial plan, uh, we want to be able to serve those clients. Instead of just having one piece of the pie, uh, we want to serve the entire pie to them so that... You're full service. We're full so, service, yeah. Now, so the name Creative Financial Design, that's an intentional name mm -hmm. reflecting the, the approach by which you approach financial planning. Right. Reflecting also the fact that you're a full service center. Now. If you've ever been to Kokomo, uh, any of you guys, if you ever Kokomo, you want to take a peek at CFD because Feel I'm actually literally in a building that looks like a church. Mm -hmm. It's it's a huge building. It's 44,000 square feet. And you guys have your annual conferences here. Mm -hmm. You have a baseball field out mm -hmm. there. We have a conference center that seats about 550. We have a cafe that serves, well, 200. And then we have the spillover into uh, the gymnasium, which we use for a multi-purpose room. Wow. Uh, where we have had as many as 350 to 400 people here serving them uh, meals. And when new advisors come on board, when they come here to headquarters, are they like surprised to kind of see this? For sure. Uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, financial advisors come. I always call it kick the tires. Come kick the tires, see yeah. who we are, see what we're about. Yeah. And when they see our operations, they are- They're blown away. They're very surprised. Blown away. Yeah. Um, now, so at 20 years old, before that, uh, so you graduated from here, you grew born and raised in this community. I, I uh, yeah, went to high school, uh, Taylor High School. It's about three miles from Creative Financial Center. Wow. Uh, graduated from Taylor in 1988. Uh, went to Indiana Westland, graduated from Indiana Westland in 1992. Started working for the CFD companies in May of 92. I started But before off, that, you, so during the summers, you worked for your dad? Yeah, from so and my son's kind of doing the same thing right now. My son's a senior at Taylor. Wow. And uh, my, my senior year, uh, I got off at noon. So I went to high school from 8 to noon, uh, second semester of my senior year. And then I'd come in here from like noon to 2.30. And then that after I graduated from high school that first summer, uh, summer of 88, I worked here for the summer as an intern. And Never just, knowing that one day you'll be sitting here CEO. Yeah, I definitely did not see in the future and see where, you know, that I'd be the president of the firm. And at that time, you, you had a passion for baseball. You're a baseball coach, but you also um, played, you know, not the club, what you guys call it. You, you had we we had a semi-pro baseball team. Um, so from 1989 to uh, 2002, I played 14 seasons uh, for a semi-pro team. And then after the semi-pro days, I hooked up with a lot of former semi-pro players, and uh, we actually played on a fast-pitch softball team uh, from 2003 to 2010. 
and we played in national tournaments in Texas, Oregon, uh, Illinois, uh, Ohio, Michigan. Wow. And uh, 2008, we actually went down to Texas, had a team, we went 34-0 that year, and uh, we won the ASA Fast Pitch Softball National Championship. What was your major in school, Brian? Uh, I had a business management degree. Okay. So going to school, playing baseball, working for your dad's company mm -hmm. as an intern, never imagined one day you'd be CEO. At which point did you make a decision that this is going to be a career for you? Well, again, you, you alluded to the fact that I love baseball, and I absolutely love baseball. And there was definitely a time uh, in my early uh, childhood and my late teens and even in my early 20s when I had the desire to play professional baseball. You kind of um, thought that was where you are going to end I, I, I thought I'd at least have a shot at yeah, it. Because yeah. uh, you were good. I mean, you were your star I was decent. I would. I want to be <laughs> humble. I was decent. I was all conference uh, in high school, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Uh, I was all conference in uh, college at Indiana Wesleyan. 1992, I was Indiana Wesleyan's MVP. Um, wow. I am in the baseball semi-pro Hall of Fame. I don't know wow. what that means, but I'm in it. Um, so I, yeah, I was. I was a. I was a very. I was an above average player, but now your dad also have a love for baseball. Did, mm -hmm. did that come from your dad? Because it's his yeah. book. He kind of uses the baseball knowledge. Diamond of life. Yeah, right. yeah. My dad played college baseball at Indiana State, and so uh, kind of a family tradition. It's a family tradition. I mean, from the time I could pick up a baseball and a bat, three or four years old, I was throwing it and I was hitting. So, at which point did you realize that baseball was not going to be your future? Probably about my. Sophomore, junior year of college. I wow. Mean, I was having a good, you know, career in college, but I could just see, you know, first of all, I was playing at NAI school. I wasn't playing D1 baseball. Mm. And uh, I could just see the handwriting on the wall, what the professional scouts were looking for. And um, even though I was fairly good, I mean, if you don't run a 60-yard dash in those days under 7, now it's like under 6.8. You know, it didn't have a shot, and I was running 60-yard dash at 7.05, and you wouldn't think, you know, the difference between 7.05 and 6.90, for instance, the 15 hundredths of a second doesn't sound like a lot, um, but it makes a big difference on whether or not you beat that single out on a bang-bang play at first, if you catch that ball in the gap in the outfield. Um, so I just knew, and you know, my velocity, I was throwing mid-80s, and they're looking for guys that throw 90. Um, and so, you know, throwing 85 versus 90, you wouldn't think five mile per hour is that big of a difference, but five mile per hour is a huge difference. I love it. And so there's just a fine line between each level of baseball. You've got, you know, you've got all these college players and you have this big bucket of college players and then it gets the narrowed. The best of the best. The best come. of the best. Yeah. And then it gets narrowed down to who gets drafted. And then wow. you have all these layers of minor league ball. Like wow. you have rookie league, you have short season A, you have long season A, you have double A baseball, you have triple A baseball. Baseball, and then you have your major league baseball and you you know let's just keep it simple let's say there's 30 major league teams I think there might be 32 now but 30 major league teams and just say they have a roster of 30 I think usually during the season it's a roster of 25 but let's keep it simple 30 teams with the 30-man roster that's 900 players playing major league baseball and think about uh, the filtering process how many how many players are playing college baseball well there's thousands of you know tens of thousands playing college baseball and that filtering process just gets more and more narrow and so between each level of minor league baseball you know the difference between a single a player and a double a player 
you know, the average person probably can't even see the difference. Wow. Uh, but it's the difference of, you know, that pitcher that throws 90 to 92 mile per hour hitting that same spot, you know, nine out of 10 times, whereas maybe the player that's below him maybe only hits it eight out of 10 times. It's just that fine of a line. So you finally realize you're, you're junior in high school, in college, you mm -hmm. realize that, you know what, the baseball is not in my future. But what then made you realize that maybe I'll go work for that? Yeah, I just, I've always loved numbers. Okay. I always, you know, when I was younger, I would go out on, a, my dad would do seminars across the country and, and speak at various places. And uh, uh, I would go to those. And I always had an interest in financial planning. I always had an interest in investing. So you kind of had a sense that if not baseball, then maybe this yeah, might be a place. Yeah, I, I knew. I mean, again, I interned when I was in high school. I interned right. when I was in college. So I knew that if baseball uh, didn't work out, I knew I had a path uh, with the CFD companies. Because for, for some children want to do something very different. They want to break away, but not you. Did you feel forced, obligated? You're the first child. Yeah, I did not feel forced at all. I mean, my dad did not push me to, okay. you know, be a part of the CFD companies. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of relationships where fathers and sons have worked together before and it's, you know, there's a lot of conflict and it, it it's it's like why would you choose to do something like that? My dad and I have a unique relationship. My dad and I get along extremely well. I consider him one of my best friends as well as my father and uh, by being able to work together, we've achieved so much more together than what we could have done on our own. So let's talk about the first day. You made a you come work for the CID companies. Mm -hmm. You're out of college. Tell me about your first day when you walk into whatever your office was. How was that yeah. like from your mindset? So I graduated May of 92 from Indiana Westland. At the time, we were at uh, 608 East Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And um, I started off in the financial planning department. Back in those days, uh, you didn't have, you know, color printers and things like that. You actually had colored blotters, blotters that would do the graphs and things like that. And uh, financial profiles was the name of the planning tool that we utilized. And, you know, my father would meet with the client, because back then we had less than 20 financial advisors. And uh, my father and some of the other advisors would meet with clients. They would do a fact finder. They would gather the information. And then I would get that information from the financial advisor, mainly my dad. I probably 90% of the plans I did in 92 were for my dad. And I would start putting that data in and, you know, getting to learn the business at 22 years old. I didn't know what I needed to do for recommendations. So my first step was input the data. Once the data was inputted, then I'd sit down with my dad and say, okay, what is this client's goals? Mm. And then based on what their goals and objectives were, based on what their risk tolerance was, based on what their time horizon was, um, then we would come up with recommendations. And the first recommendation, and I, this was something that's always been impressed on me from the beginning. You talk about us being a kingdom company. The first recommendation we always make in a financial plan is that people tithe at least 10% to the Bible-believing church of their choice. And 10% is just the starting point. Obviously, that's to tithe anything above 10% is an offering. And uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. So as people move up the income chain, uh, then we encourage them to uh, increase um, above and beyond their tithe, you know, 12 to 14% even. Wow. So you started at that level. And then tell me what role did you play next from there? So I was in the financial planning uh, department for probably at least the first three years of working at CFD. 
And uh, that was a really good base for me because it made me understand the business the from found, the, the fundamentals of the, the business. foundation from the ground up. It helped me understand uh, the business from the ground up. And uh, about 1995, we had a uh, registered financial principal that chose to uh, go into a different profession. He was a strong Christian man. He goes to our church and he actually stayed on board as a registered representative with us, but he just had a passion for cars and he started a car dealership. Like I said, he was, it's called registered FinOp, financial operating principle, and it requires a series 27 and he was the only series 27. So in 1995, I believe it was, I went and got my series 27 and I became the FinOp. And then when he left, um, I basically took over the operations of the broker-dealer. Again, 1995, we were relatively small, probably less than 40 financial advisors. At the time, maybe Chris Hale and Sherry Height were with us, so we literally had... That's some of your staff. Yeah, that was the Chris staff. Hale is Chris, now, Hale Chris, Hale is, Chris Hale is now vice president of CFD wow. Investments. And he, they came as interns, and they kind of started from the Yeah, Chris well. Hale was actually was on our semi-pro baseball team, wow. and, and uh, you know he started off as a baseball player first, and we hired him, and... You know, talk about a guy that's been extremely loyal to my family and to the CFD company. Um, he's now been with us since 1994, so he's approaching 24 years of wow. with us in the business, and he's a uh, head of uh, processing now. But back in those days, 1995, we had three of us. So Sherry and Chris would basically process the business. I would collect all the commissions would come in, and then I would make sure all the commissions got paid to the advisors. And at this point, you still have no idea that one day you'll be CEO of the company. Yeah, 1995, I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. So what's the next role then that you play? So again, I, at that point, I was really running the operations of the broker-dealer from 1995. And how old are you at this time? 25 years 25 old. Years yeah, it's running. easy to know my age because like I'm 47 right now and yeah. it's 2017. Wow. So in 1995, I was 25. Uh, I became president in 1998 and I was 28 years old. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, it was a, it's kind of a in-depth story but the story is is that um you know my dad really uh had a passion of serving clients and he was gaining more and more clients and as a result of that he really couldn't spend that much time running the daily operations of the broker dealer and he was the president of the broker dealer and the ria and he approached me in 1998 and he's like you know i really feel like and there's more to it than just serving clients um, but he's like, I really feel like it's time for you to step up and be the president of both the broker dealer and the RIA. And at that point, how old are you? 28 years old. 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And you've been with him for how long full time? Since 20. Since May of 92. Since uh, full time, full since May of 92. 92. Part time since 1988 when wow. I was a senior in high school. Full time for three years, part time, longer than that. Mm -hmm. And now your dad approached you when your dad. What, how do so you I feel? guess I technically, in 1998, I'd been with him full time for six years. Six years. From 1992 to That's 95 right. in the planning department, right. from 95 to 98 That's running right. the broker dealer That's operations. Right. And then in 1998, that's when Craig Rose came along. Wow. And Craig Rose is now vice president of Creative Financial Designs and runs our money management team. Um, but he is kind of one of the guys that, uh, after I was done writing the plans, Craig kind of took over the plan writing at that point. And these, these are young men as well. You guys kind of grew straight the same out of college, kind of deal. Straight out of college, we have now about fifty employees at the back office, yeah. and I would say we have at least fifteen employees that literally started with us straight out of college, and then they've just been with us for you know, 10, and, 15, years. And at that point, years. how many employees did you have at that point? In when 1998, when I became president, there were probably maybe five to six employees. Wow. And then 
and 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 I'll we'll interview your dad at another episode. But but and this happened with your dad that kind of also caused them to just kind of turn things fully over to you. Yeah, we'll talk about that right. later. And and so your dad pretty much relinquished everything. You now need to run the company. But because your dad's trying to protect the company from what's happening with him personally, mm-hmm. where folks are trying to essentially uh, bring him down, he you, could, you're he, the sole guy running the company. Yeah, and at that point, he also gifted a lot of his a lot of stock, stock to, you. to me. As so well. you're almost a majority owner, mm-hmm. as well as CEO and president of the company, mm-hmm. 28 years old. Right. Um, and six employees, about 40 advisors. Right. And at that time, you know, revenue-wise, between the broker-dealer and the RIA, we're doing maybe... Two million of gross revenue, and that sounds like a lot of money. But when you keep in mind that you know we're paying out on the broker dealer side an average of eighty six percent of that. That's right. So you know fourteen percent of uh, two million bucks is two hundred eighty grand. That's right. So it's not really in your business. That's right, not a that's lot. That's not a lot at all. Now, uh, do you mind? I'm going to do two shows with you if that's okay. But I want to rest here for a little bit because in the next year I want to really talk about how you went from there, Brent, to where you are now. Okay. But let's deal a bit with the dynamic. When your dad turns to you and and he's turned things over to you, and then his, the situation happens with him personally, and, and then he fully relinquished things to you so to protect the firm. What was going through your head at that time? 28 years old, young man. Yeah, well, I remember one of the biggest things when I first became president. Um, again, all the, the regulation wasn't as heavy back then as it is now, but just a simple thing, for instance, state of Indiana, um, you have to pay a renewal fee and like the company renewal fee literally was $50 and we didn't pay, pay a renewal fee on time. And, and just a simple thing of they chose to, to their, the way to punish us was, uh, they would not, they made us refund a full quarter of management fees. You are serious. Yeah. So back then I remember the amount was $22,000 Oh my goodness. and we had to refund $22,000 for quarterly management fees. And my dad and I are looking at each other like, how are we going to do this and how are we going to survive? And we did it. And just to put things in perspective, our quarterly management fees now exceed over $3 million. <laughs> so again, wow. We didn't pay a $50 fee. It was an oversight, and they made us refund because we weren't properly renewed, 22000 of fees. And, uh, yeah, when I first started off in 1998 at 28 years old, um, one, I had no clue that 20 years later, you know, we would be where we're at now. But um, it was a little nerve-wracking. Um, and the thing of it is I was probably more arrogant back then at 28 because I thought I was kind of sort of on top of the world. But, <laughs> you know, everybody has said this is kind of cliche to say you didn't know what you didn't know at That's that right. time. You were a rock star athlete, you know. Right. You're, you're kind of – now – Brent, also, you recognize that you were also taking over a company that was intentionally kingdom and Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does that mean to you now as as far as a Christian aspect of the company? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, we can't separate who we are from how we run a business. Um, You know, us being born again believers in Jesus Christ and just being totally sold out for him. um, You can't compartmentalize that in our business. At least we can't. And so we knew that um, the foundation of this firm was it profits man. And part of our mission statement is it profits man nothing to gain the whole world and to lose his soul. And I've always taken that to heart that it doesn't matter how successful we become or how big we become because 
we're not going to take any of that with us. So we're, I know we're just stewards and it profits me nothing to gain the whole world and to lose my soul. So um, we've, we've really, how we've decided to, to run the companies is, is we've definitely kept those principles in mind. Now, is that something your father insisted that you maintain or do you do it by choice? I'd say, I think it was a combination of both. I mean, it was obviously, you owned it, uh, yeah, it was extremely important to my dad because that's where he was coming from, but it, it wasn't forced upon me. It's something that I wanted as well. Wow. So as we wrap up at this episode, then we're going to go to our second episode. So, so the following, we're going to deal the following week. We're going to deal with the key to going from where you were to where you are now, but let's talk about what prepared you for that moment. Your dad says, how'd you take over? If you're talking to your parents right now, or young people who would like to model mm-hmm. what you and your dad did in those early years, what are some key things, Brent, that, that your dad did intentionally, that you did intentionally or unintentionally, mm-hmm. to prepare you for that moment where you would take over? What are some key things you look back? When I look back, I think about even at an early age, early childhood, um, nothing was given to me. Wow. Everything was earned. I had to work for it, just little things. I mean... I know this is going to sound funny, but being, you know, 10 years old, to 15 years old, the amount of yards that I mowed, um, the fact that he would literally plant sweet corn fields, like corn fields with sweet corn. And uh, I would have to make sure that I kept the weeds out. I'd have to make sure that um, I picked the corn, um, green beans as well. And then once the, the product was picked, then I took it to market and taking it to market was we were on 6080s Boulevard and we set up a stand right in front of CFD office. Wow. And as a, a young teenager, we would sell corn and green beans. And when I say we, I, it's my younger sister, Bridget, who's now, by the way, my assistant. Um, wow. So it is. So you would thought work ethics. Definitely talk work you ethics. Was, you also thought business. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. And, and I think a big thing that I was taught is integrity and honesty and, and how did you what did your dad do that taught you integrity? I mean what, what are some things that happened well you know there's a saying that we might be the only bible that people read mm-hmm. and I, if I take that concept to how my dad lived his life I just saw it every day my dad was a man of integrity my dad was honest I mean going back to the personal thing that you were uh, referring to where the ownership got turned over to me and I became president in 1998 um, he was told by attorneys uh, to walk away That's right. from file bankruptcy, file bankruptcy, walk away. That's right. And I remember my dad saying, you know what, when I die, there's only one thing I can take with me and that's my name. Wow. And it was important to him that the Owens name would not shame the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so instead of filing bankruptcy, he basically sold everything and gave everything away. So when I became the shareholder, first of all, the CFD companies weren't worth that much, but he basically gave the majority. I wasn't really the majority shareholder. I was a minority that's shareholder. That's right. He gave it to those He that, gave it to the clients. Right. Uh, and, you know, all those clients that stuck with him, they've been rewarded big time. Wow. And we're going to have uh, Brent's father on the show because I want to deal with that, but I want it to come from him because it's a, it's a moment of crisis where he really uh, walked a high level of integrity. And you watched your dad walk through the fire and you watched the Lord restore. So he taught you integrity and honesty through example. Mm-hmm. He taught you work ethics mm-hmm. through the, the farming. Mm-hmm. He taught you business by you guys having to sell the corn. What else, Brent? Importance of relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this is a relationship-driven business, um, we have 
nearly 200 financial advisors. I consider them family. Um, anytime they come in for their con the conferences, we have spring conference, we have fall conference, we have a top advisor trip. It's almost like it's a family reunion. And uh, again, when I was a young man and uh, would travel out in the community with my dad and he would do seminars and workshops for financial advisors or for clients, I was always amazed by the relationship they had with people. And so I was taught again at a very, very early age the importance of not just relationships, but real relationships, sincere relationships, not wow. just relationships from a surface standpoint, but relationships that are intentional, that are deep, that are real. Wow. Another thing you thought you that I want you to talk about is generosity. You guys mm -hmm. are extremely generous. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, this podcast is in part because of your generosity, your family supports mm -hmm. my project a great deal. How did your dad model generosity for you? Again, uh, at a very young age, when I was working the corn and the green beans and stuff like that, when I would sell stuff, if I made $100, you know, the first $10 of that $100 came out. And wow. so he, he would tell me, hey, wow. this goes to the church. If I would do chores, simple things like, you know, just stuff around the, the house, like mowing yards and stuff for him, you know, maybe he pays me five bucks. And he would literally give me, you know, four singles and four quarters because he would say, hey, that 50 cents needs to go into the offering. So wow. from the beginning, I was taught that everything that I ever earned, the first 10 percent was the Lord's. Not knowing that yeah. one day yeah. you'll be the CEO of the company right. and you will need to rely on all those things mm -hmm. to take this company from. Two million dollars a year. Now we're I, in surplus of thirty million. Thirty million. Yeah, this will be year. the second year that we uh, crossed the thirty million level. From of, from how many employees? Uh, well, one time three employees, three employees to now more than fifty. More than fifty employees. Brent, thank you so much. Please uh, come back because I want to talk about how you did that and okay. the things that you relied upon in that journey. And Brent is also a biblical entrepreneur. That is awesome. Well. I don't know about you, but this is so inspiring because uh, we often talk about uh, the key to success. Here's a situation where a father and mother intentionally lay some foundation for their son and ended up reaping it because that son ended up taking uh, the position of leadership for the family company and has brought it to where it was to where it is now. I hope that you learn from that and I hope you inspire. Brent will also be our speaker next year at Nehemiah Week 2018 as we deal with the next generation. You want to stay tuned and visit our website, nehemiahproject.org, nehemiahproject.org, to get more information about that and to um, to inquire about how to reach Brent at the CAD companies if you desire to know more about their financial services, either to join them as a broker dealer or just know what they do. Uh, we have a link on our website for you to uh, be a part of that. Give my website real quick where they can go. Our uh, company website is www.cfdinvestments.com. Uh, for prospective financial advisors, we have www.joincfd.com. And my personal website is www.brenowens.com. And you're, you are a planner as well, right? I have over 120 clients myself. Wow. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Brent Owen with the CFD companies right here in Kokomo, Indiana. Here's my prayer for you. May the Lord give you the grace and favor to build that kingdom company so that one day you can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. We're glad you could join us. If you'd like more information or other resources, please visit our website, www.com nehemiahproject.org. God bless.